and welcome into Camel Call Friday with Evan Budrovich. I'm Chris Haymeyer. This is our final show of the 22-23 season, our final show as a member of the Big South Conference, and our final show of the first full season on the Camel Call podcast. Evan, your thoughts on what has been an amazing next step in your career being on this podcast? When I list my Mount Rushmore of accomplishments, I put the Camel Call podcast right up there. No, it's funny because for years we had talked about having a discussion where Very we could sit so, down yeah. and go a little deeper into the games than just we did the little one-minute Camel sports update at like lunchtime, and then that kind of translated into a, a weekly video update with yeah. the students voicing over like, okay, here's the scores and here's the key players. And that kind of turned into like doing coaches shows. And then it translated more to this where it's, okay, we're talking track and then baseball and then interviewing a coach. And then we did the the coach podcast and like the assistant coach podcast. And now it's a nice yeah. consolidated best of both worlds. We have been a part of each other's lives now for what is it? Eight, eight years. Eight years since you came into my life as a uh, as an intern fresh out of University of Southern Cal. You know, we we joke all the time. So we had offices right next to each other. We were around each other a lot, sometimes too much, probably from your perspective to me. And um, we went through a lot together, had a lot of very good times. But with you moving over to the university side of things, we're in different buildings. We still see each other yet, but I find out this is fun because we know every time once a week we can at least catch up. Sometimes we do it on the mic, which I'm sure people roll their eyes. Sometimes we, a lot of times we do it off the mic. So this has been very fun. And when you total in our live show, you've been a guest host on that as well. That comes out as a podcast. We did 73 podcasts this oh. season. So for everybody out there that's listening, other than our parents, because we already tell them how much we love them. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. If you haven't, we would love if you subscribe to this podcast. And our plan is very much so to pick things back up in August with both our live show podcast and our Friday podcast. But before we say goodbye... We want to put a bow on what has been another sensational season for Campbell Athletics and give you a little intro into our new home, the CAA, which will officially happen on July 1st. But first, we start with the very last events in the Big South of the 22-23 year, and what a way to end it. Over the weekend, Dorcas Ewoy and Chastity Pickett, two of our track and field runners, earned first-team All-American honors. And the crazy part, because we've been in this moment before in the outdoors with, with some of the Kenyan runners in the long distance, but Chastity Pickett and Dorcas had a chance to win a national title with a, less than a lap to go, especially Chastity, who was basically out kicked at the end. But I mean, to have two runners on primetime TV with big exposure, Austin and Oregon are the big sites for NCAA track. And our runners showed out. I mean, yeah. they put up a great performance. And you see in the video, like Chastity saying, I run for Campbell University. And she's like pointing to her bib and, and to her whole outfit. Like, that's the pride they yeah. have in the program. And to get national points, finishing in the top 30 in the country in total points, which you score well in an event, you get points. That hasn't happened in a long time at Campbell. So it's not just those two runners. It's the team and the overall performance. Yeah, and Campbell has had a runner that, gets All-American status in distance over this past decade. They have not had the sprinters yet, and um, that's what they have here. Uh, Pickett, highest individual finish in women's program history. She took third overall in the 400 meters hurdles. All the Division I programs, you're going up against SEC, ACC, Pac-12, all of them. 
She was third. And her time entering the tournament was 19th of the 25 that made the national. So clearly it was good numbers. Then she made a season best in the qualifying round and then broke her record again in the championship race. And that's part of track. You do build up as the season goes, but to have her best outing of the year at the biggest event, that's incredible. Under 55 seconds. And to put that in perspective, think of a, of a quarter mile track. Think of you running as fast as you can around that track. What your time was been now put a hurdle every so often. And that is how fast you run. Hurdles have always blown my mind. Yeah, Every hundred meters is a hurdle. So you got to jump four of them. And think about in high school, right? You had to run a one-minute lap, let's say. Then you're running that while hurdling, while competing against the fastest runners in the country. Now, the interesting nugget, the two women that defeated her by the faster times are both seniors and are both set to graduate. Yeah. You could theoretically envision Chastity Pickett being one of the national favorites entering the year, not just an All-American candidate, but as one of the best runners in the country in the, in the hurdles. Iwoi, she took fifth overall in the 800-meter final. That is mind-blowing as well, especially with a time just over two minutes. The Kenyan native, she made strides down the final stretch, broke ahead. She earns first-team All-America honors a year after second-team All-America. So to go back-to-back, All-American is sensational. Remember, this all comes after our men's relay team, just to qualify for the championships was something, but but they showed out an honorable mention All-Americans, again, setting a school record, and that is, it will be interesting. Tristan Elledge, who did a fantastic job um, uh, as the media communication specialist for outdoor track and field, it'll be interesting to see when he adds up everything, how many records not only they broke, but how many times they broke those records. That's, that's why this year has been so sensational, and um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the CAA Really, really good overall track programs, Beginning especially in the thrower. NCANT, yeah, who we've known for long distance, a and national program that has Olympians run for them. Yes, Hofstra has a very strong program. UNC Wilmington with Coach Claves, who we know very well, was an assistant here, now the head coach. That's a you know we talk about High Point as a good track program. There are five to six High Points in the CA. Doesn't mean we still can't win individual titles yeah. or do well in certain events. It's just your level of competition gets a little tougher. And that's common in all the sports. It's not going to be, there was a poll that came out today, the smallest athletic and academic and budgets in division one sports, Presbyterian college, the, the lowest of all. And that was, that was common. Yeah. There are four big South schools in the bottom 10 in total budgets, university and athletic wise. That's a lot different in the CA, which is good for our league and for Campbell. Dynamite transition right there as now we move on to the CAA. Again, we we have been very, very closely. Just to let everybody out there know, and, and those that listen to this podcast a lot, really like Campbell Athletics and probably know this already, but, but those of you that don't are kind of interested to hear what we say about the CAA, this was a very intentional move, and it was not a move. It's a move that seemingly happened quickly, but it was a move that uh, a lot of thought went into it, both from the university side and from and from the athletic side. So... We'll lay out for you right here about why we think 
and we know and why the athletic department and more importantly the university the university was the one that had to sign off on yeah. it this isn't athletic saying we're going here you're following this was a after the invitation was had a university <laughs> led of where we Our were department going next. and and athletics had to submit yeah. large reports yeah. of background on the school why they wanted to join enrollment numbers i mean it's it's a month to year long process of just getting the information then the bid comes in Remember, President Creed was the acting president of the Big South yeah. as this all happened. So he's managing the politics of I'm leaving a league, I'm joining a league. He has since stepped down from that role. But you go through all that process, you have an AD change, and you kind of, it coincides with Hannah taking the job to accepting the bid, to finalizing yeah. the bid, to then announcing six months ago that this has all happened. Yeah. Stronger athletic programs, yeah. stronger academic institutions, better facilities. In the long term, it will be a more stable Division I environment. It is right now. But I tell people all the time where there's going to be uh, some added travel to it, with there's going to be adjusting for, for student athletes. There is going to be higher competition. A lot of the sports will be able to go in and finish around and compete for titles like we have some of the other sports. It may take a little while in recruiting, in different ways of doing things to become competitive at the top of the league. But you looking in a crystal ball 10 years from now the caa is going to be in a much much better place than than the big south is also that geographic footprint which is interesting for both athletic recruiting and university recruiting especially admissions it's from charleston to boston and it also includes four of the top 10 media markets in the country in new york philadelphia boston and dc i think what it helps too is name recognition you know, media markets are important from a television standpoint, and, and Flow Sports has pluses and minuses with that. But being able to be in Richmond and be in Hofstra, Long Island, New York, to be in Northeastern, Maine, Boston, to have the name Campbell more synonymous in those areas, obviously Charleston and Wilmington are somewhat known, but you add to that area. Just the name of the school, of the yeah. athletic department, of who Campbell is, we've seen it firsthand with baseball how the national success leads to more donors. The name Campbell becomes bigger. The program gets spotlighted. There's kind of that revenue that comes with that. And think back to the 2020 football season, Yeah, playing Georgia Southern, playing right. Coastal, playing App State. Not that it led to wins, but it led to name recognition, exposure. And that alone can build, first of all, enrollment, which we know on this campus is important. And then secondly, the Campbell name, which is so synonymous in North Carolina, can grow up the Virginias into Maryland and up the, all the way to Boston. And make no mistake about it, on at New York, on New York One, on the on the local TV, they're not showing the score of the Stony Brook and Campbell game. They're not going to show highlights of that. They're not going to do that in Philadelphia. They're not going to do that in D.C. But you're up there and you're playing. You're also, I dream of, we're up there for a basketball game against Stony Brook and here walks in uh, the point guard from the team class of 1976 that has lived up in the Northeast for 30 years, never gets down here and come. I think we are going to reestablish connections with former student athletes and uh, former students just period because we get up here and it's athletic excellence too. It's not only that we have this geographic footprint, 18 national champions have come from the CAA mm -hmm. 15 national players of the year. They've had a final four berth, 47 men's basketball postseason wins since 2006, 38 women's postseason victories in the last nine years. They've been to both the women's college world series and so on. And so forth. Stony Brook made it when they weren't a part of the conference, but they've yeah. been to the men's world series. It's, we'll adopt them in as a world series. team. It's this very good 
programs in these very good schools, these institutions like William and Mary that have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years and people know, and it's academic excellence, 25 NCA postgrad scholars from the NC from this conference, five Rhodes scholars, and they do something called the Colonial Academic Alliance. It's a research collaboration opportunities and funding for faculty Nothing to do with athletics, but through the conference for faculty to get more money for research. And there's yearly, uh, I want to say conferences is the right term, but where these professors and deans can collaborate on projects, both research-based and from the school standpoint, which, as you know, universities have many fronts, but it's to educate, it's to inform, and it's to inspire, and to be able to have these conferences where they can get together and share ideas like Hofstra University is a top 100 academic institution. No doubt. Northeastern is a top 100 academic institution. William and Mary is really hard to get into. Towson is a great, yeah. highly respected university. There are tremendous schools. Delaware, from a football standpoint, is the highest school in that state. Like having that pedigree and that profile elevates Campbell's reputation. Not only it requires us to do well on the academic side, but it brings a, a gravitas to what the Campbell degree is. And this is what puts a bow on it and what makes sense. This is not like Southern Cal going to the Big Ten that does not make sense geographically. They have a lot of those other reasons that you just set out, which is good why we're going from the Big South to the CAA. But but this is this is the talking point to tell your friends that have doubts. The CAA footprint expands Campbell's brand into new markets in the Mid-Atlantic and Northeast while maintaining a firm hold in the Carolinas and Virginia. UNCW, Campbell's oldest rival and biggest one, two, or top three rival in pretty much every sport, even though we haven't been in the same conference, that is reignited. They are two hours away. NCANT and Elon are 90 minutes away. Right. Hampton, William & Mary, three-ish hours away. College of Charleston, just under four. So you have your seven teams in the conference there that are closer than that of, of the Big South. That what we would call a southern half of the league is the Big South footprint. And there's seven and there's seven teams, including Campbell. So from that standpoint, you think about rivalries. The Wilmington rivalry is tremendous. We've talked about the upgrades of Elon over High Point yeah. and Ch Charleston over Charleston Southern. Elon fits right into that replacement of, of High Point. The same sort of student comes there. It's got the same sort of look like... You'll probably not like High Point as much as you not like Elon. It'll take you a couple of it's years. It's a similar vibe on the two campuses. And they have football. They do, which that's yeah. huge. And we have talked, I mean, we had the barbecue bowl. That was yeah. our football rivalry out of necessity. Now it can be from Richmond yeah. to Elon to, to you name it, up and down the state, yeah. really. And that you, you mentioned Richmond, you know, not a full member but a but, but a football only member and and there's 14 on the full member side and then there is 14 on the football only side so yes we'll, we'll, we'll kind of finish with the full member thing here you do have the virginia the carolinas just like it is in the big south but then your footprint extends to boston for northeastern long island with hofstra and stony brook drexel in philadelphia Towson, oh, Kevin McGeehan's going to love that. Drexel I mean, <laughs> right but back to his home stomping grounds, Towson in the Baltimore area. You have Delaware, huge state school and Monmouth. Um, that is where you expand. Look, I know the bottom line is I'm not trying to sugarcoat this. 
some of our teams are going to have to get on a united flight in raleigh connect in dc and right. go to boston to to to, to play a, a couple of games we have not had to do that in the big south because everything is a bus ride away but just letting you know the footprint still down here is still and there still is going to be a lot of bus rides and some are going to be shorter well i love to the Towson connection the william and mary and the yeah. richmond standpoint there are huge alumni bases in richmond and in dc and to connect that alumni base more to games they can get right. to you know and that's now eight or nine teams in the league that are a four-hour drive yeah that's basically the big south i mean our farthest trip was probably long well maybe not longwood charleston or redford yeah probably radford up north and charleston usc south. upstate all of those were upstate, a good hard four west was hours four. away yeah. so okay getting to Towson's now a five to six yeah basically more than half your league is the same travel time yeah and maybe a little more expensive to go north but there's travel partners there's certain schedules where yeah. you only go to a place every other year the league has thought of this, and it's not, well, you got to fly to Northeastern every single year in every single sport. Yeah, and they've thought of that. If you look, the uh, we are now releasing um, the fall schedules as they come, and, of course, exciting because they have CAA as a conference schedule. So volleyball, how they work is every weekend they will play Saturday and Sunday. So if you do have to go up to Northeastern to Boston, you get up there and you play two matches, and then you come back. The same thing for here at home. You will have a team on back-to-back -back days and night, which makes a lot of sense. Football gets really fun because they also yeah. have 14 members, but some of the full CAA 14 members do not have football, so they replace them with some some great teams. Richmond that has won a national championship, Villanova that has won a national championship. You also have in there Rhode Island that has been a good team at times. New Hampshire, Maine, who will be our homecoming opponent. They have been a playoff team. Can they bring some lobsters with them? I don't know, but that would be awesome. At least some lobster bisque. And you have the University of Albany. So you have all of these teams that come in. You have 14 teams. This is a multi-bid football league and really from top to bottom, the best football league in the CAA. They have gotten four, five, six teams sometimes into the CAA playoffs. You don't got to win the whole thing. You finish in the top third, you're going to be in the playoffs. Last year, Delaware went four and four in the conference and got into the FCS playoffs. Just to give you a sense. Now you have to win non-conference games and do well but we'll face William & Mary, who won the league last year, and we saw him last year on the road. We'll face Richmond, 6-2, and two, great playoff team, have been, like you said, the national championships. We'll face Elon every year. Elon and A&T are our yearly opponents we'll play. Yeah. So to give you a sense, the way football shakes out, you play two teams every year, your other four to five league games will rotate. We will always play A&T, and we'll always play Elon, which is great from a rivalry tradition and people understand those matchups it's sensational and as we've pointed out for you i hope you know it's not just a decision for athletics it's not just a decision for the university it's both and it's not just a decision for a single sport but if you bring up football which we have here next year is the first year of the big south ohio valley conference merger. football merger they have had to do that because you need a certain amount of teams i believe it's six total teams to get an automatic bid into the fcs so just one bid will come out of the football schools now only gardner webb and charleston southern in the big south and the football oh, schools left in the obc robert morris and uh full-time members oh, i guess Bryant. i should say yeah, yeah. yes but it, you're right four so they had five right plus four so there'll be nine total, yep. but neither league had enough to be eligible for the playoffs. No. And so, so this is the first year of the merger where they will play each other. One will come out of it. Gardner Webb, the defending champs, 
barbecue bowl opponent. Here is their conference games uh, this year at Tennessee Tech, away conference games at Tennessee Tech, at Bryant, at Tennessee State. Bryant is in Rhode Island, if you didn't know. The two Tennessee schools are in Tennessee. That's ridiculous. And Campbell gets on a plane one time to go up to Monmouth. Everything else is a Which, is ironically, a right was away. a conference game yeah. two years ago. Yeah, because they were one of the many in-and-out members of the Big South, which, again, I've told people a big thing that we're going to have to do coming into the CAA, especially football, is to let them know, hey, these are, their co- these are your conference opponents. Most likely they're going to stay for a while, and it's going to be – just so much easier to to try to create a rivalry because Campbell has, hasn't had that save for the Charleston Southern and Gardner Webb because so many has come in and out. So if you just take football by itself, which is by no reason what has fueled this move, but a nice byproduct of it is the fact that football is going to be safe for a long, long time. Look, with 14 members, some can go in, some can go out. And we saw James Madison go to the Sun Belt yeah. and move up from the from the CAA. And if you move up, great. And that should be a good sign that this is an incubator or something. But when you move up, you're not going to have to change things. I mean, Campbell's schedule with just four home games is because Campbell had to fill up the schedule with so many non-conference games because the Big South couldn't give them the eight-game conference schedule that you should get when you're anywhere. And so that's yeah. why we had to jettison a bunch of, a bunch of contracts and, it was and play away. when you signed the contract with William & Mary, you didn't know, or yeah. we didn't know, that we'd eventually be a league opponent. So no you're doubt. saying, why is there a league opener on the first game? That's not intentional. It was supposed to be a non-league game as a home-and-home home where you play each team at their home yeah. site. And it just happened to turn into a conference game. We'll go back to the Big South. And I will also preference this if you don't know, you know, the the Big South is all I have known with Campbell Athletics. I got here in 2011-12 when Campbell came back into the Big South. The Big South office and the people that work there are unbelievably great people that truly care about these schools and do a good job. And they have done for me personally a lot for my career, whether that's trying to get me in on on some play-by-play gigs for their conference tournaments to have me MC different banquets. I owe a lot to the Big South, and I respect the Big South. And, you know, there is that part where it, it is sad looking back yeah. on, really, it's it's been the only home that I and many of us have Campbell have known. But the two, as we, as we go on to reasons why, because a lot of people, as, now that this is a reality, this has been a reality for some time, but now that this is happening, a lot of people are like, well, why are we going? I mean, we, we have to get on a plane and go to Boston. You know, that, that's the headline, and we're on Flow Sports. So, so here are some things to think about as well. Brought up the football. Maybe you don't care about football. The two smallest arenas in all of Division I basketball are in the Big South, USC Upstate and Charleston Southern. Presbyterian is another Big South school. It is a gym that's not one of the smallest in the Big South. But if you think of, if you went to high school in the 80s and you think of what your basketball gym was, it's like that, but it has not been updated. It's the pull-out wood, wood bleachers. And it's, Again, the, it's th- the poor, and I love the folks at Presbyterian, the poorest funded school you in said Division that. One sports. Yeah, and, and you said there were, what, four in the in the bottom 10 Four from the big, big south schools in the bottom 10 of all of yeah. fcs football i mean that's yeah 200 schools and that's half the league basically now with nine teams left yeah yeah at baseball Asheville, they have a beautiful basketball arena we know what they've done in basketball they went all done in in basketball and and don't really fund well their other things their baseball stadium does not have a rust box other teams that that we know here from the Big South, our, our teams, I should say, when they go away, we've had coaches say the facilities are poor, the visiting locker rooms are poor. It is not a great experience. 
for our athletes because, quite frankly, some of these facilities are not up to Division One standards. Look, Campbell was the exact same way yeah. a decade and a half ago, but they went into the Big South. They put in money. They wanted to be a a legit Division One program. They are, and they're winning. But it is so many other things than just doing this. The, the Big South, where it is right now, I hope it survives. They've got a new commissioner. Um, the old commissioner, Kyle Klander, really did everything he could. He, he had was a the pretty, only commissioner in he, the league. He had a pretty good plan for football, I think, taking the best schools out of the MEAC. How would he ever have known that NCA and T and Hampton would have gone to the CAA? But he he tried the best he could, and, and I hope that that's a conference that survives. Really, they need to get rid of football. They yeah. just need to give up football. They just need to give up football and go go into football. There's a lot of different things, and I hope they will survive. But But again, 10 years from now, I think we will look at what the CAA is and we'll look at what the Big South is and that will further cement what the decisions that were made to to move us there. And overall, athletically, academically, exposure wise, I think it is going to do so much for this athletic program and this university. And you're not going to see it immediately. Well, same conversation happened in the A-Sun Big South transition of 15 years ago now, which is crazy to think. Yeah. You know, there were some reasons why we left the Big South initially, partially schedule, partially Sundays, and some of the politics of religion and why we couldn't play on certain days. But we moved to a conference that was more friendly to that schedule. It was new opponents. It was new rivals. It was playing UCF, who had 40,000 enrollment, and Campbell that had four to 5,000, you know? And you weren't playing with the level playing field. And that that's why a lot of those programs struggled for a long time. And they got better, but it was never up to par. They were finally in a league that was regionally fit, that fit their alignment. And Campbell has shown they've kind of outgrown success-wise, yeah. university-wise. The growth has outgrown the league. And this is the next step. It's going to start in certain sports a little lower. But from facilities, from resources, it's not bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Are we number one in everything? No, but we're not number 14 either. And yeah. that's a good sign. Yeah. And, and there's some places are going to go where Stony, Stony Brook's baseball stadium is not good, you know, but there is so, so not everything is going to be a palace at the, at the level of the, uh, of the top teams in the CAA, but overall it's just going to be so much better. And the big South is always going to be a part of Campbell. Campbell was a founding member of the big South that definitely stands for something. And without the big South, Campbell would not be where they are today. The the Big South allowed them the the, the competition, the the regional rivalries that they didn't have to put money into travel in the Atlantic Sun going to Florida. They allowed us to start football as an FCS program. There's no doubt. And kept us as yep. a regular member. I mean, a lot of schools yep. don't get that luxury. Yep, and uh, and they that they have done so much for them. And again, you know, a, a little biased here because I I feel uh, a lot of thanks and there's a lot of gratitude in my heart for for so many of the great people that work in the Big South Conference office. But we turn the page. We will take a hiatus for a couple of months here, but I will um, I, I, I will talk to all of you about the fact July 1st, Campbell is officially in the CAA. There's going to be a lot of other things, some surprises as well um, at the beginning of July. So make sure you stay in tune with our social media, which is usually maybe a little quiet around July. But boy, there's going to be some some fun stuff that's going on till July and, of course, into August when we'll start our first CAA conference season. The way you look at Campbell Athletics may be a little different. And August 23rd, our women's soccer team takes on former conference opponent Radford. And the next day, on the 24th, our men's soccer team welcomes South Carolina out of the SEC wow. to Bowie's Creek. Ponder got a home-and-home home out of that. Those are your next home games 
your first home games as Campbell will be a full member of the CAA. Evan, also, one last thing, Director's Cup, Campbell in the top 150 in the country. Yes. To be in the top half of all Division I programs, this is NCAA tournament success, individual success. It combines all of it, largely team-based. Yeah. But to be 137th overall, we've been in the top 100 before, as a matter of fact. You get points if your national runners do well and all that. And if your wrestling team qualifies, it takes every sport. But to be in the top half of all Division I, that that's really good. It's incredible. Five straight men's all-sports trophies as the best men's athletic program in, in the Big South. The women were right up there, too. And last year, the headlines were 13 conference championships. This year, nine conference championships, which is pretty pretty darn good. Since COVID, 30 championships won Campbell's last couple years in the Big South. For Evan, I'm Chris. Thank you so much for listening. There is a whole archive of stuff. If you're driving cross-country, 50 hours if you started at the beginning of this year's Camel Call podcast. If you're driving to Maine for the next game, just listen on your way. Went through the live show and went all the way down, but they're they're labeled well. You can pick and choose. There's a lot of great interviews. A lot of thanks to the coaches and student-athletes and administrators that spent their time to be on here with us. It was a whole lot of fun. We are very... um, thankful and lucky to do this and we will be back talking to you as a full member of the caa talking about fall sports in august for evan i'm chris saying so long thank you so much for listening this season to camel call live have a great summer